What's up, gang? Van Jackson here. A while back, a friend of the pod asked me what subscriptions I'd recommend for news and analysis on world politics. And it was actually a hard question to answer on the spot, believe it or not. But I've got a great answer now. Mother effing World Politics Review. If you're a fan of Undiplomatic, you should be reading World Politics Review. It's obviously worldly. It's in the title. Uh, it's not obsessed with Trump. And it has a great mix of analysis and journalism. Also, why do you think I'm doing this pitch? World Politics Review is an official sponsor of the show. And the best way to back us right now is to back them. So give them a chance. They're offering a 25% discount subscription for undiplomatic listeners. And if you want to subscribe to their daily newsletter, which you should, you can do it for free. Just visit wpr.pub slash undiplomatic. That's wpr.pub slash undiplomatic. That'll get you the free newsletter, and it'll also provide you the code for the 25% discount should you want to subscribe. So get on the train, wpr.pub slash undiplomatic. Peace. What's up, gang? Thanks for listening to the Undiplomatic Podcast, the show with undiplomatic takes about the foreign policy scene. I'm your host, Van Jackson, and this uh, edition is another raw uncut. Just as a reminder, these are episodes that are less than 10 minutes in length, focused on something happening in the real world. This one is being brought to you because the Democrats just had a debate and I got pinged maybe half a dozen times overnight by um, listeners and other pundits, etc., asking for my take or synopsis on the Democratic debate because it was uniquely focused on foreign policy and national security. Uh, this is generally being framed as like, oh, this was the foreign policy debate. It, I was glad that they were talking about foreign policy, but you know, this is not... They never really got past wave tops. All the candidates were able to answer questions. I thought generally it was it was good. It was definitely a nice counterpoise to uh, Trump, right? But all the candidates got away with not saying too much in terms of detail or commitment. And so there's a lot that's kind of an open question. And while I would like more detail and differentiation, I think we've seen enough now to know where each candidate more or less stands in broad strokes on questions of judgment and principle and orientation. So when we look at what came up in the debate, uh, the use of force, the size of the Pentagon, ending endless war, U.S. military presence in the Middle East, North Korea, China got like one mention, which is kind of weird that it was such a small thing. Um, and then, of course, trade deals. So Biden uh, said very pointedly that you know, he's been attacked as like a rabid dog or whatever by uh, the North Koreans. But he has said very pointedly that he will not meet with Kim Jong-un uh, under current conditions. If something changes or if he if he thinks he could get some great deal from Kim, then maybe it's different. But he does not anticipate meeting with Kim Jong-un. Nobody really weighed in on North Korea other than that. The, the concern I have about Biden on North Korea was that he was expressing this old like 1990s paradigm for how you deal with North Korea, where you like pretend they don't already have nuclear weapons. And then on top of that, you really just as a strategy, you're outsourcing to China. You're trying to put pressure on the Chinese to put pressure on North Korea. 
we've been doing that since like the 1960s to no avail. That shit doesn't work. The Chinese and the North Koreans hate each other. China has very little to no influence over North Korean foreign policy, particularly its its core issue of nukes, right? So um, try, a strategy of pointing to China, which is what Biden did in the debate, is a bad old strategy that doesn't work. So I'm very concerned about that. But it's also like he took kind of a tough line on North Korea. And that's kind of what you would expect from a liberal internationalist, which is his foreign policy orientation. Right. Um, it's not so much a progressive worldview. It's like a liberal worldview. And um, I'll talk about that more at a, a later date. But progressives and liberals do not see the world the same way. The other issue that came up uh, frequently was the Pentagon and military spending and ending endless wars and the rhetoric everybody embraces the rhetoric of ending endless wars um klobuchar and biden in particular who are the the most centrist uh candidates on the stage they owned a willingness to leave troops in the region there's a question about composition there's a question about timeline it seemed fairly open-ended but they still believe that america is like the force for stability in that region i disagree i think american military forces in particular are uh their cause of instability in the middle east historically uh and i don't there's a question about like you know what kind of force presence do you need to conduct counterterrorism operations i i think if at this early stage you're not willing to, in principle, remove troops, you've got a problem, particularly with the Democratic base. So the Sanders and Warren wing of the party and Sanders and Warren themselves, they're keen to get U.S. forces out of the region, out of Iraq, out of Afghanistan. There is no way to end endless war, which is what all the candidates say they want to do, even the centrist ones, if you're leaving troops in the region. So get the troops out. There was a little so there's daylight on this question among the candidates of uh, whether you leave troops in the Middle East and what ending endless wars really means. Buttigieg has this famous line where he repeatedly says, like, we need to repeal and replace AUMF, the authorization to use military force. This was uh, passed in the wake of 9-11, and it's what gives the military the ability to, you know, wage war against terrorism all over the fucking world. It's been used and abused to death and it justifies the endless wars that we're in. And so it's obviously a, a popular thing in the Democratic Party to end AUMF and the authorization to use military force. But Buttigieg wants to um, also replace it, which I personally find problematic because, uh, you know, with the War Powers Act that existed before we had AUMF was sufficient Right. It's not like we never fought a terrorist before 9-11. That's bullshit. And so we can still conduct military operations in the world under existing authorities. We don't need a new AUMF. He talks a lot about a three year sunset clause. We just don't need it. Right. So repeal the authorization to use military force. Don't replace it. So Buttigieg and then to some extent um, Biden have endorsed this repeal and replace. The more um, left wing candidates would just repeal it. And then on uh, trade, there was also some daylight, right? So the USMCA, which is like the NAFTA 2.0 uh, trade deal, Warren is sort of reluctantly for it um, because it makes marginal improvements to um, the wages of workers and the middle class and labor standards. And uh, Biden and the centrists are definitely, they're like 
strong advocates for it. Um, Sanders was opposed to it. And so you see some daylight on trade deals generally. Sanders and Warren were uh, saying the same talking points, basically. So they they seek trade deals that are presumptively multilateral and that protect wages, uh, that protect workers and that protect the environment. And they're concerned. And would that mean I think the Obama administration would say that their trade deals looked out for workers in the environment. But what Sanders and Warren mean by that is actually the distribution of gains. How does the trade deal once implemented affect? It's not like rising tide lifts all boats. How do you distribute the economic gains that result from the trade deal? If it aggregates in, if the profits aggregate in multinationals that like doesn't have a reasonable expectation of trickling down to the middle class, or if the trade deal involves outsourcing of jobs from the United States to another country, then we've got a problem with the trade deal from the Sanders and Warren view of things, right? And then, of course, Biden uh, takes takes the normal liberal internationalist view, which is to say these trade deals are how we counter China. They're strategically important. They keep the U.S. in the region. All those things are true, in my opinion, right? But the distribution of gains matters, right? That's why the progressive movement is what it is right now. And that's why Sanders and Warren are in, I mean, they're such popular candidates, to be frank. So there is a desire to... Yes, trade deals are strategic, but we also have to make sure that these trade deals don't do harm to the American worker, right? Or the environment. You know, you see, and then, oh, and then finally, I said before the Pentagon was in the barrel, pretty much every Biden didn't really weigh in on this, but everybody on the stage thought that we were spending too much money on the military. They challenged the very premise of the militarization of foreign policy. Elizabeth Warren was very strong on this point. Um, she pointed specifically to the culture of corruption between the defense industry and the Pentagon itself, the basically agenda-setting influence that the defense industry has. She sees that as a problem. That's a form of corruption. That's what fuels the endless requirement for military superiority, military primacy. Um, and then ultimately, that's the backdrop for endless war, right? And so um, what was clear, and I'm going to talk about this in a later episode, was that the status quo of how the Defense Department does business is not going to be acceptable in a democratic administration. Um, military superiority, the very concept of it, is unacceptable prima facie, right? There, there has to be something less. Everybody agrees the billionaire on the stage thinks we spend too much money on defense, right? Tom Steyer. Overall, a whole lot of agreement. You see a whole lot of responsible contrasts with Trump. Oh, and then um, the fucking, and then Iran, I forgot. The Iran nuclear deal, everybody, of course, supports that. That's not new. Um, everybody was opposed to assassinating uh, General Soleimani because of the, there were questions about the legality, but like I talked about in the other episode, about the risks of escalation and conflict spirals and what's going to happen next, right? The fact that this is not super well thought through, that it has the appearance of like Trump wagging the dog and doing this for you know, domestic political reasons. And so there's a huge, everybody said the right thing about Iran, but that's, that's a very low bar. Um, everybody said the right thing about endless war, but they mean something different by it. And everybody said the right thing on restraining Pentagon spending. Although I haven't seen anybody come out with a, a plan for like doing the defense department differently. I think Warren comes the closest on that point. 
but everybody's saying the right things. Um, and so there is a lot of consistency in the Democratic Party. What we know by now is that you're going to get the most status quo-y foreign policy from Biden and from Klobuchar and probably from Buttigieg as well. And you look at who's advising Buttigieg, it is a lot of like former military four stars. We've I've talked about this in a past episode. So you're going to get a kind of normal liberal internationalist view of things. I don't think that what I've seen from Buttigieg so far looks materially different from Biden. Uh, I think Warren and Sanders would have uh, very similar foreign policies based on what they're saying so far. So that's the debate. That's my take. You know, a lot... I see there's a little bit of daylight, particularly on trade. I think that if this is as, as the most coverage that a debate is going to have on foreign policy, then we've got a problem because it's at a very superficial level still. Um, but all in all, I thought it was a good I thought it was a good debate. It was just tragically simplistic. Their talking points, particularly about like how to do defense differently. And then the the almost total absence of China from the debate, which was just bizarre. But at least Democrats are opposed to war with Iran. Good on them there. All right, gang, that's going to do it. WPR.pub slash undiplomatic. I got to plug World Politics Review. The only way I can keep up with all this bullshit going on in the world is because of World Politics Review and the daily newsletter I get from them. So sign up WPR.pub slash undiplomatic. Peace.